and welcome to episode 101 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Richard McKinnon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are you doing? I am quite well. I'm a little bit congested. I have a bad shoulder, but life is good, so I'm not going to oh, complain. Oh, my Lord, it's that time of year. <laughs> yes, everything's uh, everything's happening. The teacher in the class I just went to also had a full blown, blown cold. But um, yeah, but life is good. So hello, listeners. Hi, I'm Richard. glad we're doing it remotely. No offense. Yes. Um, yes. So this time around, we're going to look at the concept of psychological safety. And we're going to look about why it's important in team settings and the impact psychological safety has on team members. This is a topic uh, I've been doing a lot of work on with teams over the last couple of years. And uh, obviously, each of the contexts that I've been working in is unique. But I thought this would be a good opportunity to share some insights to get our listeners thinking about it. So there's no sort of solutions in this episode, but it's always useful to maybe pick apart a concept and look at it in a little bit more detail. Um, and, and actually what I found in discussing it is that sometimes the light bulb moment is just that someone realizes psychological safety is a thing and it's not in their head. It's not unique to them. Does that make sense? Completely. And I'm really glad we're doing this episode because th there's a lot of talk around it. And I think it's really nice to go back to, okay, what are we really talking about? Absolutely. And just to signpost it, next episode, we're going to look at how to develop psychological safety in your work environment. So today's all about establishing what it is. And then next time we'll talk about what you can do about it. But first, uh, a quick reminder about our next community meetup at the Work Life Psych Club. Um, the meetup is scheduled for December 15th. Full details are available on the online community at worklifepsych.club. But based on a few online conversations I've been having, what I've decided to do is support some of our members by doing a live online demo of a task management app called Todoist. And uh, to talk a little bit about productivity principles, but how you can bring them to life in an app. And it's the kind of thing that you could talk about, but oh, it's so much easier to show. <laughs> so I'll be starting yes. from a blank slate, nothing in it, and showing how to set up projects and add your tasks and just get clarity on things like priorities. Um, so December 15th worklifepsych.club. And like all of the meetups, it's completely free. You just need to join the community to be able to see the events listing. And then uh, you'll be able to see all the details there. So let's crack on psychological safety. Yeah. So Richard, you're going to be, uh, <laughs> I'm going to put you in the spot and, uh, I, and I can't wait to see what, uh, what you're going to tell uh, the listeners, and of course, I'm your listener too. What do we mean? What is psychological safety? So I should be able to explain this simply, yeah. given <laughs> I've been spending so much time on it with my, my clients. I put it this way. If we think about a team of people, when members of that team feel psychologically safe, they think it's safe to take interpersonal risks. So what we mean by interpersonal risk, they, they think it's okay and it's safe to do things like speak up to speak out, uh, to point out risks and issues that they've identified, uh, errors they've spotted, or, or even owning up to errors and mistakes they've made, and maybe even giving each other feedback. Obviously, there's a lot of positives to that stuff, but where we have an absence of psychological safety, 
these important and these meaningful discussions uh, may well not actually happen. So that means that errors aren't noticed. They're maybe actively swept under the carpet. Standards over time can, can disimprove. And what happens is team members end up focusing on avoiding blame rather than looking for ways to improve things for everybody. So we move from, you know, what's possible to let's just keep our heads down and avoid trouble. And obviously that's not a climate in a team that you really want to experience. I think that's so useful to have those behaviors like they, they include speaking up, the uh, pointing risks and issues, owning up to errors and all of that, because it's things that you can really see mm. as well. And you can see if they're not there, then maybe something is missing. Uh, and, you know, what you do see is a difference in responses when things go wrong, <laughs> you know, rather than mm. a focus on, oh, wow, you know, what's the root cause? It's actively looking for who to blame or how to avoid the blame being apportioned to you. And obviously that doesn't put us in a great space to identify root causes and solutions. And uh, people can end up feeling quite defensive and quite at risk. And, and this is why it's referred to as psychological safety. We don't feel safe. And of course, when we're not feeling safe, um, we're not our best selves and we don't respond in a way that's always going to be as effective as it might be. Yeah, and can I share, and, and do tell me if I've got this uh, wrong, Richard, because I was reading about some of Amy Edmondson's research into mm -hmm. this, and they were saying that the in the hospitals where there was a high level of psychological safety, they were making more errors. And what that was, of course, wasn't that there were more errors happening, but they were being reported more. And I think that's quite interesting as well, that in a team a team where there is psychological safety might be seen as getting as, as getting lots of things wrong or whatever, maybe not always being on the ball. And it might just be that they're more open about it and know how to talk about it. It's an it. excellent point. And um, the reporting and the discussion of mistakes is core to this. And of course, in a safety critical environment like a hospital, you know, that is yeah. crucial. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even in a, a sort of bog standard office environment where maybe an invoice has gone out that's incorrect or maybe a quote has been issued to a client that's got errors in it. You know, that, that kind of thing that we could expect to happen. Um, how people deal with that will have an impact on how employees respond to that stuff in the future. And so what would be the relationship, if there is any, to trust um, because are they linked? How, how are they different? Yeah, they're often used interchangeably. And I, actually, they are different. So, um, mm. And this is one of those frequently asked questions um, I get in workshops. So trust is, one way to think of this is that trust is between two people. It's an interpersonal thing. And so, um, Pilar, if you and I work together, I trust that you'll deliver your work on time to me, you know, if we're interdependent mm -hmm. and I'm waiting on something, uh, I trust that you'll turn up on time to have my back in a, a difficult meeting. It's built up over time on day one, when we meet, I may not trust you. Uh, uh, the trust is built mm -hmm. and then you, you'll trust me, um, hopefully, um, through my, my actions. When we look at psychological safety, it's more about the climate and the team, the general environment in which we do our work. And so you and I, could be on the same team and we could trust each other, but we still may not feel like it's safe to speak up because of how other people behave or how our team leader behaves. So trust can be there, but we still may not have psychological safety. And that's how they're different. So could I say though, that if there is 
If there is an absence of trust, there's probably also an absence of psychological safety. It, it could well be because, you know, trusting each other and knowing or being confident in how people will respond when we share information is really yeah. key. Mm-hmm. And I can see that um, that that it makes a difference to the feeling in the team and how we feel about the work. Does it affect? I mean, I'm sure the I'm sure the answer is yes. How does it affect how we work together and how effective we are? Nice as a team? open question there. You've been you've been listening <laughs> to the coaching uh, episodes. I mean, it absolutely does. Uh, so this is this is um, an important discussion. You know, what difference does it make? Um, and it, it it's beyond a nice to have. And and this is one of the challenges I come up against. Psychological safety can leave some people thinking, well, that's soft. You know, what I what I'm talking about is performance. I want higher performance. I don't want people to feel safe and um, complacent. You know, that's often how it's viewed. And it's not about complacency because what the research has shown is that the link between psychological safety and information sharing and sharing ideas and innovations and, of course, improved performance and job satisfaction. So instead of what the gut might tell a manager, you know, which might be unhelpful micromanagement or coming down on people when they make a mistake, like a ton of bricks, that is not going to encourage the behaviors that contribute to team effectiveness, the meaningful, important discussions about how we can get better. It just leads to people keeping their head down. Uh, and, and so it's, it's not about letting things slide. That's really important. It's about a combination of safety and accountability. We need to have both of those there. So if there's lots of psychological safety and there's no accountability, sure, things will slide because people won't, they, they really won't think about what the consequences might be for them and the team and all of the other teams that they might work with. But where accountability is there as well, then you've got this, this focus on improvement and performance and ownership, but you don't have the fear. <laughs> and it's the fear that holds people back from having these conversations. And I think also um, the the misconception that actually this is about team members agreeing all the mm. time, or or liking each other a lot all the time, and you know being great friends all the exactly. time. Um, as I suppose maybe you, you you there could be an argument that actually if everyone is agreeing all the time, they might well <laughs> there might well be a lack of psychological safety as well. Absolutely, um, you know, you know it, it's it's uh, you know think about this. Um, safety critical environments like hospitals or aviation or fuel, you know, it's not about friendliness uh, necessarily. It's about bypassing things like hierarchy when someone spots something that's risky, dangerous, or an actual mistake in action. It's realizing that if I raise this, I won't get the blame for raising it. Uh, what we will do is we will focus on the error or the risk, and we will look at how we can make sure it doesn't happen again. Something that people fear, uh, or at least want to avoid, is to be the lone voice. Because where there is no psychological safety, if you could imagine us all sitting around a table, what tends to happen is the other people around the table go, oh, you know, you're slowing us down. You're saying something awkward. We are all in agreement. Why do you have to, you know, that kind of a response? Or if there is, I've spotted an error. Maybe the person who is responsible for the error could respond negatively and maybe push back. And then we've got some conflict. And uh, then it is about you versus me and whose fault it is rather than, well, why did no one else spot this? And how can we prevent it happening again? So a more objective 
view is facilitated by psychological safety. Where that isn't there, it is kind of blame storming. You know, when we spot something, right, the first thing is who's to blame, not how did this happen. And that's an important distinction. And I'm going to ask you a bit more about what you just said about someone speaking out and the eye rolling, maybe, or the oh, not again kind of thing. Uh, but but before before we go into the kind of environment that might lead to a lower psychological safety, I think it's also about being able to um, to not not just call out errors, but also be able to talk about your work in a way that you're proud mm -hmm. of as well. Because I could see how um, some might be might be might not feel safe actually to put forward the fact that they've done a good job or to talk about an example of a good job well done so i think it's also interesting that that there is that there's the errors but actually there's there's a whole load about how you talk about yourself and your work it's a really important point and we'll come back to this in in the next episode um hopefully that will excite listeners uh but because there's an <laughs> element here of how do we look at the work And, and do we look at it as simply executing a list of tasks or do we look at it as a shared learning experience? And there are two very different ways of looking at the job. And if we just focus on the task and executing the task, then it's unlikely that we'll have innovations. It's unlikely that people will want to do things differently and think about how could I make a difference? Uh, whereas if we have that shared sense of safety and we think about, well, there might be mistakes on the way, but we're headed in the right direction. We're improving all the time. It's a very different conversation. So we've got all that. I think that the covering what it is quite well. What are some of the conditions that might lead to a decrease or a low psychological safety? Then? Yeah. So th there's quite a few scenarios where this uh, could arise. And now we're taking a step back. Really, you know, it's it's not one individual. It's maybe not even one team. This could be unintentionally created, this climate, um, by organizational behaviors. And those are the organizational behaviors that are not challenged. So, you know, what's the most we'll put up with uh, in a negative sense? What's the worst we'll put up with? So, you know, if you think that um, I will avoid what I think might be conflict Because maybe in this organization, conflict is, is frowned upon, but to such an extent that even disagreement or different perspectives are frowned upon. I had a um, discussion uh, just the other day about uh, some of the ways that we can uh, ineffectively deal with organizational change. And one of the things that comes up a lot is toxic positivity. And what I mean by that yeah. is, you know, just this forced positivity and that no other possible negative or unhappy or dissatisfied perspectives can be shared. And if I say something isn't working for me um, and, and, you know, you were my manager, your toxic positivity would come across as, yes, but look at all these great things. So not even acknowledging my perspective. And so if the organization is one where we don't want dissenting views and we actively stamp them down, well, That's not really going to help um, engender this this climate, this this sense of um, psychological safety. Now, there's, there's a few things that go from maybe even the, the design of a job, uh, the behavior of a team leader or a manager, all the way through to how people are treated when when things go wrong. But maybe maybe starting at the very sort of cold face of things. If I feel disconnected from the outputs of my work, 
and the benefits of my contribution, uh, it, 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 I won't see what happens to my work. I, I don't know why the work is being done. And one of the things that can be really helpful is if I can see that sort of thread from my contribution all the way through to maybe our clients or the difference it makes to the world, then I might be more uh, likely to, to say to myself, could I do this better? Are there ways we could make it more efficient? It's important that I do this thing. But if I don't have that context, I'll be focused on the task, getting it done. And you might see me, you know, clocking off and that's it. And leaving work on time is a good thing, but the um, absolute disconnection of me and my creativity and the skills I have from the work I'm doing, that could lead to these kind of situations. I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah. <laughs> I find it interesting. I've always thought of psychological safety as something that is very interpersonal, but actually it makes complete sense that, of course, there is that element of the connection to the work and the emotional connection, actually, also, that can, that can be increased if you see where it's going. So do you think that some of it might be, something that was coming to mind was sometimes if we just see where, where our task starts and stops and we don't see the rest, mm -hmm. Even if we um, say th th that what we're seeing is something that we think we could fix in the team or in the organization or even even something that we can come up with our work, do you think that the lack of information maybe that we feel we have can affect that psychological safety or what is it that would stop us from, or we just disengage and actually... It's not even, you know, the question mm. of psychological safety doesn't even mm. come to it. Uh, if I answer it this way... Um, You know, talking to organizational leaders when they're frustrated at the lack of discretionary effort or people going the extra mile mm. or trying to improve things, um, I'll often end up discussing, discussing with them, um, do people doing this work understand the difference it makes? Do they understand um, how they're keeping the lights on, you know, for a hospital? Do they understand uh, the difference an hour makes to the profit margins each year? Do they understand um, how quality has an impact on the bottom line and the success of the business? Or are you just telling them to do more of something or less of something? Or have you even had this discussion? Or is it just lurking in your mind as a, a deep sense of satisfaction at other people's behavior? You know, so we can't expect people to innovate and go the extra mile and contribute if they don't understand the bigger picture. Everyone likes context. Hmm. And of course, if there isn't a great relationship between the team leader and uh, members of the team, um, it doesn't have to be, you know, extremely negative or toxic. But if, if there isn't a, a open lines of communication, then people will feel less comfortable in approaching that person with their ideas or with their uh, risks and issues or errors. Um, it, it may be a, a sort of an ambivalence. I don't know how they're going to respond because I don't know them well enough. And of course, what the team leader does when something goes wrong uh, is, a, is a great predictor of this kind of environment. So we've got, you know, a, a general punishment orientation. And that, that's what I meant by whose fault is this? If that's the first response when something goes wrong or there's a dip in some kind of quality, rather than how did this happen? You know, mm. people spot this. That's a threat. <laughs> you know, that's how our minds interpret that. And what do we do when we encounter a threat? Well, we want to minimize the damage to us or escape completely. And so 
punishment orientation is is not a great way to run a team, especially if that punishment is out of proportion to what's actually been done. If it's a you know if a, if a team leader goes on a big rant and does some public shaming, uh, if there's um, threats, you know, well, why would anyone else who witnesses this speak up about issues? You know, they just want to keep their head down. And, and another theme that we see is, is unrealistic expectations of perfection. You know, every environment will have errors. Every environment will have errors. I had a great conversation with someone on my, my holidays earlier this year who actually worked in space science. And we ended up, and I just geeked out completely, but we ended up having a conversation <laughs> about those clean rooms in in scientific environments where people have to go through so that they don't bring germs to deeply sensitive scientific equipment. And even with all those processes in place and all of that equipment and all of those suits and all of those protocols, filth gets through on a regular basis because humans, right? So if we have really unrealistic, uh, unrealistic expectations that there will never be a mistake, when people encounter a mistake, They'll, they'll either think, well, this can't be because things are perfect here, or they'll be so scared of raising it, they will do anything to avoid it coming up. So actually what we can do instead is, is normalize that yeah, mistakes will happen and here's how we want to deal with them rather than it must be perfect. And, you know, when you hear perfect, what does that say to you? Yeah. Uh, and again, I find this one very interesting, the the expectations of perfection and even even... I mean, even at a team level, I can see a team who has a strong identity as a high-performance team. Again, there might be that feeling that actually, oh, I don't want to be the one who lets everyone down exactly. or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, or or even cool. raises an issue that might, let's imagine mm -hmm. we've got a deadline to meet. And, and I have to say, guys, I think this is an issue and everyone else is focused on the deadline and, and the pushback yeah. you could get to say, well, no, we want to be the best performing team in this unit. And, and we will be if we meet the deadline, but we won't be if we listen to you. That's a lot of pressure, especially if you're a minority voice, you know? Um, so hopefully you can see that there's a combination here of organizational factors and what gets rewarded and punished team-based factors, you know, your place in the team and what you've seen in the team. And of course, your job and your connection with the job. And of course, if, if you've seen people have their ideas, their innovations and suggestions just being shot down out of hand, you might also say to yourself, well, why would I bother going through that? Because having ideas rejected is at the very least a little bit uncomfortable, if not embarrassing, or really quite awful to go through if it's a public experience. No one likes to be told their ideas are silly in front of their colleagues. So the interpersonal side and how the team leader deals with these things is, is really, really important. And all of these things could either detract from the chance of psychological safety growing or, or just put a dent in it if it's there. Now, a really important point um, that I've found myself making a lot in, in workshops and discussions about this topic is like a lot of the concepts we discuss, Pilar, you can't do psychological safety to people. Yeah. And, and that, that's not a throwaway comment. It sounds a bit silly, but you know, what do I need to do to make people feel more safe? Well, it doesn't work that way. What we're going to talk about next time, though, is the positive, the good news that we can increase psychological safety, but 
it's rather indirect. Um, we're cultivating an environment where it's possible for people to feel it. Just like you can't make people be motivated, you create an environment where motivation is possible. You know, putting it very simply. So what we're going to look at next time are a few things that organizations and specifically managers can do. So maybe if you're a team leader or an aspiring manager or, or a leader in an organization, you'll have some takeaways there because there are some very practical things we'd like you to think about. So with that in mind, there will be a gap uh, between the episodes. So please get in touch with any questions or whatabouts you have about this topic. Uh, send us a message on Twitter at mypocketpsych or email us at podcast at worklifepsych.com. Uh, or you can leave us a voicemail uh, if you would like. And there's a link to that in the show notes. Pilar, any closing thoughts on this topic of psychological safety? No, I, it was very clear to me, uh, and I'm glad that the the, the neighbors didn't <laughs> increase their their work noise oh, outside your window. listeners, people, it's it's going on all around me today. Um, yeah, <laughs> so apologies <laughs> if you heard a few thumps. That wasn't me. <laughs> that was people on the roof and outside. But hopefully, it hasn't been too disturbing for you. Thanks for bearing with us uh, through episode 101. Thanks for listening. And we look forward to having you back for our next episode where we'll finish this topic by looking at what we can do to increase the chances of psychological safety in our teams. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.